Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Electrician Live. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, as always, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you all for joining me today. And today's topic's not going to be long, but it's going to be one that's kind of going to go hand in hand with the video that we're doing as well. So for those that like to listen to the podcast, I'm doing it separate because I have a tendency to talk about images and it kind of leaves people confused a little bit in the podcast. So I'm forcing myself to do this separately than my video because the video is going to have some visuals in it and I want to be able to talk about it a little differently. Okay, so today's uh, episode is about uh, three steps to handling stress on an electrical exam. Now, this is going to be stress that's leading up to the exam, during the exam, and what you're going to do while you're actively sitting in the exam test center. And we're going to talk about a little bit about what you can do to reduce this stress. Now, there's there's many things you can do. You know, you can you know you can uh, learn breathing techniques or whatever, but that's not what I'm talking about today when it's talking about reducing stress. The way that you reduce stress truly for an exam is to really, pretty simple, is be prepared for the exam, right? If you're prepared and you go into an exam, then you have nothing to worry about because the material that the exam is testing you on is material that is learnable. It's material that you can absorb, you can study, it's tangible. And The ability for you to retain a lot of this information or to be able to maneuver through it or get familiar with it, just like we're familiar with driving a car, riding a bike, okay? Now, again, technical information is a little tougher because it changes over time, and just when you think you know something, something changes. But in reality, the concept of of studying for something is a repetitious act and doing it with a intended purpose. So that's kind of what we're, we're talking about today. So when you're thinking about study for an exam, and there's a lot of people that email me, they're stressed, they, they have trouble with exams, and, and they don't test well, that's what they have in their mind, they say, I just don't test well, and things like that. Now, you have to train the mind for success. So training the mind for success is important in anything we do, whether you're an athlete or whatnot, you have to train the mind for success. You're going to get this. You're going to nail this. You have to be very positive in your study approach. Now, there are no shortcuts. There is no quick fixes. There are no weekend cram courses before an exam that are going to help you. You might get lucky, but they're not going to help you. There's no memorizing technique that has lasting effects. And there is no over-the-top tabbing of your NEC that's going to change the outcome on an exam. You're either ready or you're not ready. In fact, too many tabs, too many visualizations, too much highlighting, too much of anything is excessive, and it's going to draw your mind away from what's needed. And so there's a method to preparing for an exam. And, okay, there are things that we can talk about that train your mind, train yourself to prepare for an exam. Now, I get it. There's people that just don't test well. I get it, but the course material or what you use as a study plan, and we're going to talk about that, is really important because you need to replicate an environment, and the tests today, again, are mostly on on, uh, on computers. So, again, you need to um, prepare for how you're going to test, 
and not all uh, um, study material can do that, okay? So now let's talk about it. So it's a three-step plan, and the first of the steps is to create a study plan, okay? You have to study with a purpose. You've heard me say this over and over and over again. You have to prepare yourself a plan. You have to understand it. Look, this isn't a fly-by-night thing. You're trying to get a license in a trade that is very heavily regulated, okay? So the exams are put together in a certain way to test your basic entry knowledge. They're not there to trick you. They might give some questions that make you have to think, but it's not there to trick you. And so it's created in a way that's going to put stress on you during the test process or even the process leading up to it. So first thing you have to do is you have to create a study plan. You have to determine the amount of time necessary to truly be successful. You have to create an environment where you have no distractions. Tough to do today, but you have to. You have to obtain study material that will engage you and allow you to dig deeper into the content. And then you have study material that has to replicate an actual test environment. It doesn't do you any good to watch a DVD if it doesn't put you in a position to test your knowledge on a a replicable type of program that allows you to put yourself into it. You have to be able to replicate a test environment, okay? So, again, not anything about study material. Everything's great. Anything you can learn is, is great. But there's a difference for some people when it comes to a test that they stress, It's not to say you can't learn from other material like DVDs and and just books alone. You can. But for those that have trouble testing, and I run into an awful lot of people that have trouble testing, it it has to do with their study plan and their plan of attack, okay? Their, Their process. But there's great study material all over the place out there. It's how you use it's probably the key, okay? So what we want to do is we want to examine each one of these points individually. Okay, so first things first, determine the amount of time necessary to be successful. Now, you probably heard me recommend a 60 and 90 day plan, uh, and I'm going to give you the rationale for my 60 to 90 day plan. It is widely known that it takes approximately 100 hours to be proficient in something. A lot of places around the country have on the job training, and it adds up to many hundreds of hours. But when you're talking about certain specific uh, study material for a certain topic in this industry, we a lot of times refer to the 100-hour mark or right at the 100-hour mark uh, in order to be able to take uh, to really not be an expert, but to really absorb and understand the material. And it's very dedicated time. So we replicated that in a 60 or 90-day plan. Now, if you're going to plan out and study 60 days before you take your exam, Now, this is going to equate to studying three times a week for four hours each session. That accumulated time is 96 hours of dedication to studying specifically, okay? So that is your establish your time to success. Everybody's different. That is just my recommendation uh, if you're going to have a 60-day plan. I recommend the 90-day plan. Because life happens and you need a little more time because things get in the way. The problem with the 60-day, and even people ask us about a 30-day, which is, again, four times a week, you know, you know, just a lot more and four hours each time. 
it's a lot more in a condensed period that there's way more distractions in life and you just don't have that available time. So again, we talk about the days in the time, uh, 60 or 90 day, because it logically breaks out to where you can work that into a schedule. Um, the 90 day also allows you to do this on weekends a little bit better because it's only two times a week uh, and uh, it's four hours each time. Um, but that's the amount of time you need to be successful. So for a 60 day, it's three times a week for four hours, which is 96 hours of dedication or a 90 day plan, which is two times a week for four hours, 96 hours of dedication. And we tell people all the time, you're more than happy to mix in one more time a week here and there to add to that hours of dedication time that we refer to uh, that's just going to help to reduce some of that stress because you're going into an exam knowing the material and you're not letting it eat away at your mind. You, You know this material, but you have to give yourself time. I know people who've been working in the trade, and I've got people right now, let's say, in some of our courses who refuse to follow the program because they've been an electrician, maybe a journeyman for so many years and before master, and they don't want to follow a plan because they say, I know this stuff, yet their scores on their exams are really bad. And the problem is they're not following a plan. They're just, they think they know it, but they don't know where they learned it. So they don't know if it's accurate or not. In, in many cases, when the truth comes out when you put it on paper or you put it in a computer and you take an exam and your scores are very low, that tells you you just you don't know it. And you need to know it. So, again, following the plan is important. And first you need to do is create the necessary time to start the plan to be successful. And we, again, recommend 90 days. But there's a 90 and 60-day plan that we, rec- that we have uh, created that you can do that. Uh, and it's based, again, on 60, uh, a 60-day plan is three times a week, four hours each time. A 90-day is two times a week four hours each time. They equate to 96 hours of dedication. The next thing was to create an environment where you have no distractions. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, that is so much easier said than done with families and life, but you need to find a quiet place where there's no phones, no family, no distractions of any kind. This place will be consistent and always a safe haven for your studying and for your study material. This can be a lot easier said than done, but my friends, it is very critical. My safe haven is my uh, studio, which is a converted den, and it has the ability to shut doors and isolate myself away. I actually, on the inside of my door, I actually put uh, rubber bands across the knobs because it's uh, two doors that open up you know, straight out, bifold, uh, or I guess not bifold, uh, Two doors, again, to just swing open, uh, and they have doorknobs on it. So I put rubber bands around it so that the dogs can't push it open. Nobody can come in. Uh, I put a sign up. Um, again, that is my zone. And when I'm studying or I'm doing something, they know that this is time to leave me alone. Okay, And it has to be consistent to do this. There is no way you can study with people coming in and out, phones ringing, distractions. This has to be safe haven time. You can't do anything in this but study. That's it. Um, Also, another thing that becomes a distraction is not having enough sleep prior to studying or trying to study late when you've worked all day. 
That's another form of distraction that we do not encourage. And again, easier said than done. You work all day, you come home, and you're like, okay, I got to study. Your mind will wander. You cannot get ingrained into the information and retain it. Again, we encourage you to do weekends. We encourage you to do it uh, when you can, but it just cannot be um, where you do it and you don't have enough sleep or you do it really late at night after you've worked all day. You, you You have to find that balance. But the mind is trying to absorb so much information. And it's important information because you need this information to get past the gatekeeper for your state administrator. So creating that safe haven, creating it, and don't do it when you're too tired. Don't do it when you haven't slept. um, Just to say I'm going through the motions. Because going through the motions doesn't mean anything if you're not going to retain the information. And it's hard to retain that information when you're sleep deprived. Okay? so Or you're exhausted. If you start studying... And an hour into it, you notice that you're doing it in a position where you're nodding off or you're going to sleep. You need to stop. That does not count in your study time. You just stop and do it again another time. That is not going to benefit you. In fact, it's going to hurt you even more to do that. Okay? You might think you're adding up time, but it's not helping you at all. I tell people in our Fast Tracks program all the time, slow down. When I start to see grades dropping on units, and I know all these units intimately, it tells me they didn't either read the material or they didn't have that dedicated time, that, that study plan, that space. They were just going through the motions of the material. They weren't retaining the material because all of the questions in our program are based on the reading material. So I keep an algorithm and I look at the grades. I monitor every student that we have and I notice when their grades drop or go up or go down or what they're having trouble with. And that is because I can almost tell when a student has run through a course or a unit too quickly. They did not slow down and really retain it. Now, that's why we also created this thing called ballistic training, whereas you can highlight the text in the, in the course material and it will read it to you. So you put your headphones on, okay, get you that quiet space. Headphones on, you read it while the bouncing ball or while the the text is highlighted is going to go across every word that it reads. You're going to read it the same time you're hearing it. That causes you to focus, okay? However you do it, you need to have no distractions. And there's other types of distractions that you need to to be aware of. Like, again, sleep deprivation, uh, tired from a long day's work, uh, phone calls, interruptions. You just can't have them and, and want to have a good study plan. The next thing is obtaining study material that will engage you and allow you to dig deeper into the content. Look, you will never attempt to study, or you should never attempt to study, by simply looking in the National Electrical Code at random, just flipping through pages, reading certain sections and subsections, subdivisions. It's not going to work. You might get lucky, okay? But it's not going to work because you're just reading it, and it's very technical information. So you might read it, but the retention of that information is not likely to take hold. And you need to use a program that engages you as well as provides exam quality questions that you can dissect and do a reverse analysis in order to be successful. So if you're just doing everything, let's say, on a TV of DVD, for example, it doesn't give you any, it gives you material But then you don't have the physical material to reference back to while you're doing study questions to reverse 
analyze the question. Now, you can have books. The books are fine, but they don't replicate a test environment. So it makes it a little more difficult, but it is at least a start. Now, exam prep questions are great, but if the study material doesn't explain the material and gives you a lesson in the process, then it is not worthy study material. If you buy a book that's nothing but exam questions, that might be fine for the last week of your preparation. But that's not a good study plan because you're cramming in the last week. Now, if you have a good study plan and you've been studying and you want a good collection of questions, then it's okay. Find you some good questions. They will allow you to reverse analyze the questions. Whether you get them right or wrong, they're beneficial. But that is not that cannot constitute your only study plan, just questions. You need to have content in order to be able to read it, to fully understand it. And that's what a true course does. It provides subject matter content in the form of a lesson plan that is study material that is engaging and it retains your attention while it intermixes questions and reviews and and quizzes in order to make sure that you fully retained the material that you just read. That's how you truly learn it. Again, many people have heard me say, I am not a believer in cramming. I am not a believer in over-tabbing. I am not a believer in over-highlighting. I am a believer in learning the code. I don't know everything about the code. That's why I'm still so passionate about it, because I still study the code just like you. I've never stopped studying it after 30 years. I can't help myself. In fact, that's why I serve on code panels, because I just want to be engaged with it at all the time. So, again, study plans, study material. It's got to engage you. It's got to be a lesson involved. It's got to have you be able to dig into the deeper meaning of the question and allow you to reverse analyze it, okay? Uh, And that's what we do when we look at a question and and we, we look at the words in it and we try to determine whether or not what's the root term or, uh, or, or what actually is a trigger in the question to answer the question or at least to send me where I need to go in the index. And the index is not the holy grail. But it's certainly going to get you somewhere, okay? So a lot of times, just by doing the study material is what's going to help you on an exam. But we'll talk about that when we talk about another process here in a minute. And then, of course, the last one was study material that replicates a test environment. So not only do you have the study material, but it also is going to offer you, okay, once you establish that study material, then you evaluate it that the study material is going to replicate a test environment. Now, remember, nearly 99.9% of all electrical exams today are done on a computer, and you're sitting in a cubicle. Okay? You need to make sure the exam material that you're using as your study material also includes a test-related computer environment. Um, it's very hard. Now, does that mean that you can't use DVDs and books and prepare and study and do the test questions and be prepared? No, that's perfectly fine. That's one way to do it. But a lot of the stress that we see is from the computer environment. And they don't have it sitting in their hands in front of them. They're having to look up at a screen, and there's something that happens when it's when it taken it out of control of their hands and put it on a screen. So the higher level excess of, of success is the ability to replicate the environment. Okay? So this allows you to engage in what's called a real-world exam scenario or situation. And so, again, you want to look for study material that allows you to have a, um, 
to replicate the computer environment. Okay? Now, that does not mean you don't can get other books and other study material. That is great. We're talking about uh, the stress of a test environment. And a test environment is an electronic environment. Okay? So that's why we're focusing on that. Certainly not to, to down any other books or any other thing. It's not. It's, it's trying to replicate and reduce the stress during a test environment. Again, 99.9% of all test centers uh, are going to be electronic. 100% of all PSI centers are 100% so of, of computer-related exams. Okay, All right, now, that's step one. Now, let's talk about step two. Now, this is, again, you've created a plan, and you've worked on your plan, and you've picked a 60-day or 90-day plan, and you stay away from those weekend cram course type of plans. And now you're down to the last week before your exam. So the week before your exam, you need to begin to add stress into your preparation program. You need to make sure you have the ability to time, such as a timer on your cell phone or maybe even an egg timer, so that you can train your mind to 60 seconds to, um, to two minutes uh, per question type of scenarios mentally, okay? So, however, the only way to be successful is with a good, solid exam question, and they have to be electronic on your computer to replicate the environment. There are also many online timers that you can use as well. I use one all the time, which you can go right online, and I will share it down in the comments area uh, for you to see where to go. And that is just one that you can put on a browser and you can click start and set the timer and it'll start it and it'll buzz when your time's up so that you can kind of feel what a minute is. You can feel what two minute is, things like that. So you can get a feel for this. And while you're doing the question, the timer's running and it's building up that stress because you're waiting for the buzzer. Okay, so you could do that online. I'll give you a link to that in the bottom, but you can also do that with any timer on your phone. They're usually built in or an egg timer or whatever you want, a cooking timer that has a bell on it. You take each question individually. Remember, when you're doing questions there in this last week and you're trying to build in that stress, it's not about the overall test. It's about each question. So you take your time and say, okay, I've got this question. I'm going to set my timer for two minutes. And I'm going to focus on this question. So what you're doing is you're building that expectation in there. Because when you're on the exam, there's a timer running at the top, but there's no bells to tell you every 60 seconds or one minute or or two minutes or things like that. So you have to build stress, okay, that stress feeling. And after time, you'll be sitting on exam and you will know when you spent 60 seconds on a question or two minutes on a question, you will know. Okay, I've done this long enough. You will feel it. Okay, now here's the thing. Even during this last week, this is where it can get very frustrating for people. Do not dwell on poor performance. Again, worthy of saying again, do not dwell on poor performance. Just be persistent. In other words, a lot of times if you get really good questions, and again, like the ones that we use in our fast tracks programs, these are very good questions. So they are probably going to be equal to or more complicated than you're probably going to see on any exam. So again, we're trying to train the mind here. A lot of people, so we do exam prep every week. 
And I have people that I guarantee you it's the silent ones that are in there that are going, wow, y'all are looking at a question and y'all have looked at it for, for 10 minutes. They don't understand. We're not in that last week. We're in the phase of our plan where we're taking a question and we're dissecting a question. We're trying to learn from the question. They don't get it. And those are the people that, again, are the ones that you that will, you know, they have their license probably or something, and they're looking and they're saying, well, I don't know why you don't have yours, and I don't want I found it easy. Ignore those people, okay? Ignore them because, first of all, they're hiding in the background, and, and, and they're too shy to even come forward anyway. So at the end of the day, it's all about you. It's all about what you need to do to be successful. So in this last week, you need to start timing yourself for questions, and do not dwell on poor performance. Okay, if you don't find the answer in two minutes or so, don't get frustrated. Just be persistent. Okay, persistence is going to win out overall in the end. Okay, that's about all you can do at that point. Now, a couple things also, you know, during week two is, you know, I mean, not week two, but the the final week before your exam, uh, getting good night's sleep prior to your exam day is going to be critical. If you don't know it, by the day before your exam, you don't know it, okay? Studying and trying to take a cram. I know people that have done a weekend course on a Saturday and Sunday, and they're going to test on a Monday. To me, that is the worst thing you could ever do because you're trying to condense 10 pounds of something in a five-pound bag at the last minute. You're going to get brain overload. And then a lot of times they make you put 50, 100 freaking tabs on your code book. You ought to spend more time in your exam trying to maneuver through these tabs than you are just learning where to go in the NEC. So, again, I am not a big believer in over-tabbing. There are some critically important tabs that are going to get you in certain articles, uh, get you in certain tables. But, again, that's about all you need. You just need to know how to maneuver the code book, okay? And, again, if you have a good study plan and you have really good study material, it's not just code questions. They're beneficial, but they are not the, the, what you really need in a plan. The plan is going to have course content that regurgitates the code in a way that you can understand it, and you get quizzed on it, and you have competency reviews that allow you to be able to show that you understand the course material. That is what's going to increase your success on an exam, and it's going to reduce the stress. But again, in that last week, Regardless of what you use, get you some good test questions and start timing yourself, okay? Only in that week, and do not dwell if your performance is not what you expect it to be. Don't worry about it. Just be persistent. Now, let's talk about step three. Now, this is a step where you're in the exam. You're prepared with a plan. You've done your questions and reverse analyzed them during the week, and you've done your timing. You're ready. You get into an exam, you're going to do what's called the WAVE technique. Now, the WAVE technique was created by me and has been copied by so many educators over the years since I introduced it into my videos back in 2004. Uh, In fact, some people won't even admit where they heard about it. It is a simple process that directly ties your study material to the dedication of your study time. There is an amount of knowledge you will gain subconsciously during study periods, if you follow the plan, if you do not have the distractions. This is why you must truly study properly. 
That is, that will allow you to build additional time, which I call a stress buffer during an exam. Now, let's examine the wave technique because it sounds simple, should be a simple process, but people tend to not fully understand it. So we're going to kind of go through it here. So the first wave, when you get into your exam, you sit down, you go through the test questions, you, you get familiar with the system, and I encourage you to get familiar with the system. Know what happens when you mark a question, where it goes, how it, you know, don't start your exam until you fully know, because most of the exams, they don't start until you're ready. So fully make sure you understand the controls and how you're going to work the marked questions and everything like that as you're going through this process. The back and forth buttons, just make sure you feel comfortable with it. Now, when you begin your exam by answering all the questions within 60 seconds of viewing and reading the question. So your first wave is you're going to start the first question. You got 60 seconds you got to read it. And if you know the answer within 60 seconds, then you mark it and you move on to the next question. Okay. Now, if the answer comes to mind within that time frame, you simply choose the right answer and you move on to the next question. If you look at it and you run out of time in 60 seconds, and you have to train yourself to know what 60 seconds is, that's why we talk about timing the last week, then you electronically mark the question because it'll have this ability for you to mark it. Mark the question and then just move to the next question. Never dwell on a question in the first wave longer than 60 seconds. And I say approximately 60 seconds because you're, you're not going to keep staring at the clock, but you'll get a feeling what it is. Okay, you'll know that when you read it in your mind, you're just going, I don't know this question. The moment you read it and you go, I have no freaking clue. Mark it and go to the next question. Okay, now there will be questions, you know, based on your study material and knowledge that you've obtained during your study plan. If you have a good study plan, if you're just flipping through the code book, that is not a study plan. It's why you're not going to remember these things. Okay, now. Answering these questions that you simply know right away is going to build a repository of time for use with more complicated questions that you're going to encounter later. Now, by marking them electronically, it will, it will be easy to review them again during the test system software, which has the internal ability to isolate marked questions for a second wave. So you click it as marked. It'll have a little thing that says marked. Do you want to mark it? You mark it. And when you come to the end of your first wave, you'll be able to click a button and look at all the questions that you marked. Which that takes us to the second wave, which is kind of a two-parter here. Okay. So once you've completed that first wave, you simply went through, answered what you knew within 60 seconds. You're building up some time. Now, you will select the option to review the marked questions. And this begins your second wave. Okay? Now, this will take you to the first questions that you actually marked. Uh, it will not take you to the questions that you marked because you answered because you already knew them. These are ones that you click the marked button for review later. And said so in that second wave, you will spend up to two minutes per question. If you are unable to answer the question in two minutes, you're searching through the code, you will leave it marked. You don't take it off a of marked. You leave it marked. And you're going to move on to the next question. However, however, in the second wave here, you're going to at least have to answer a question. You cannot leave it blank. You're not permitted to leave a question blank. You must choose an answer, even if the answer is an educated guess. So what is an educated guess? 
It is any guess where you rule out obvious incorrect answers, which reduce your choices down to a higher percentage of success. For example, if you have a guess and it's four questions, if I guess any one of the four, I have a 25% chance of accuracy. Okay, If you can rule out two of them because they're just blatantly obviously wrong, then you've reduced it down to a 50-50 chance. And if you're going to do an educated guess, having a 50-50 chance is a much better odd ratio than it was be to have a 25% chance. However, you're still going to leave it marked. We just want to make sure that you answer the question so that you don't run the risk of leaving any blank if your time runs out. Okay? We don't want that. Okay? So you have a full understanding. That's part one of wave two. Now, part two is made up of a scenario where you have a bro, uh, an exam where you have both the knowledge-based questions and calculations are all in the same exam. Uh, an example, Texas is a two-part exam. There's knowledge-based questions and then there's a separate calculation. Prior to that, it was a single exam with calculations and knowledge-based code questions on the exam. Okay, all right, now, let's assume in this wave that it is a combination exam where your calculations and your knowledge-based code lookup questions are on the same exam. Then you will save those calculations for the third wave. Stick to the knowledge questions. On those single exams like that, you have a greater chance of failure by failing the knowledge base than you do the calculations, okay? All right, so... Stick to the knowledge-based questions and save the calculations for the third wave. Now, do not let them consume valuable time on that first or second wave. That's the calculations. Don't do that. You will need to build valuable time to dedicate to calculations by using the first wave and second wave techniques properly. Okay, now, if your exam is a two-part exam where you have a calculations portion and a knowledge-based portion, then you can treat very similar to wave one and wave two, okay? The difference is to answer the simple calculations, ones that are are one or two steps such as Ohm's Law in the first wave and save the more complicated questions such as Boxville and Raceway for the second wave. Now, while we will not talk about the third wave for calculations, it is best to save load calculations for the third wave so that you have built up time to dedicate to these more complex calculations. Like if it's asking you to do something in a uh, 220 part 3 or part 4 standard or optional calculation for a residence or a dwelling, save those for the third wave. Okay, So first wave on the calculations, answer the ones that are simple one or two step type Ohm's Law questions that you can answer pretty quickly. Save the second wave for the box fill or raceway fill stuff that's going to take a little longer time. And then save all complicated load calculations for the third wave. You still follow the same principles. Okay, Go through the first wave and answer what you know very quickly. A lot of these Ohm's Law questions can be answered pretty darn quickly if you understand Ohm's Law. And then the second wave, and do the marking and everything the same way you would do for the knowledge-based portion. It's just a different portion. It's calculations, but you treat it very similarly, okay? All right. Now, let's talk about that third wave. So, again, um, so you've gone through the first wave, 60 seconds. You've answered what you know. You mark the ones that you don't or any that take longer than 60 seconds, and then you go to the second wave. 
The second wave you went through, you're going to spend two minutes on each question. You're not going to leave any blank. You're going to try to reduce it down to a better educated guess. If you do not know, rule out what is obviously wrong. You're still going to leave it marked, even though you're still going to choose an answer, but it's an educated guess. And on the off chance that you have to do what's called a WAG, which is a wild-ass guess, then you're still going to leave it marked. Because you're going to have to revisit it again in the third wave uh, in order to just give you some time dedicated to it. All right? But again, you can't leave it blank. And the reason is, by the time you finish the second wave, you have at least answered all the questions. Now, they might not all be right, but you've at least answered all the questions. So now, you leave those ones that you guessed or that you still couldn't find, but you guessed anyway on the second wave for that third wave. Okay? So, any, so again, let me recap this here so that you understand the third wave. At this point, you've moved through the first and answered all the questions you knew off the study plan and your obtained knowledge. You marked those questions that took longer than approximately 60 seconds. In the second wave, you reviewed the marked questions from the first wave, and you dedicated two minutes to answering any question. Okay? Any question you took an educated guess on, as well as those taking over two minutes that remain unanswered, except for the guess, will now be examined in the third wave. At this point, all your questions have been answered. However, you still have some that are either a guess, hopefully an educated guess, and some you left marked. Even though you answered them, you still left them marked because you really weren't sure. Okay, You may have answered, but are still unsure of it. This is the wave, the third wave, where you will take up to an additional two minutes to answer. If you are simply unable to answer the question, then make an educated guess or confirm your previous educated guess on all the information you obtained, but do not leave any question blank, okay? So that is basically the process of the three waves. And by adhering to this, you're trying to build yourself a repository of time. Now, you might hear many people talk about this type of process, and again, uh, The process that I talk about here and the way that I do it is tried and true, and I have literally thousands of students who follow this program, follow the wave technique, and actually make a a successful uh, approach to testing. It reduces their stress and allows them to be able to be confident when they go and they sit down at the cubicle and they start their program, okay? So hopefully you got something out of that. Um, again, it's, it's pretty basic when you think about it after you listen to it. Uh, and go back and listen again because each step is extremely important. In fact, I would argue that step one is obviously the most important because you need to determine the amount of time necessary to be successful. Uh, and I give you recommendations. You need to create an environment with no distractions, none whatsoever. This is your time. This is your goal. This is for your family. This is for your career. This is your time. You need to obtain study material that will engage you and allow you to deep dive into the content. And you need study material that can replicate a test environment. Again, program like our Fast Tracks program is specifically designed to hit all these trigger points. That's why it was created. That's why I personally work with each student and try to answer questions. Now, I'm not going to baby you along. I'm not going to give you all the answers. 
but I'm going to be there to give you guidance when you need it in that program to help you be successful, okay? And that's what the program is all about. So, again, we're going to be having special classes that are only available to people that are in our Fast Tracks program starting in July so that they can come to the program and ask those specific questions that they need to know in order to prepare themselves for an exam. If you're interested in getting into a real structured program that is designed to meet all these triggers, all these things that were successful, then check out our Fast Tracks programs. It's over on our website, masterthenec.com or electricalcodeacademy.com. And I think if you watch a demo and you see what's entailed, you're going to also see that it is literally, literally the best course out there available to really tickle all the senses and really train you to be proficient and really have no stress when you go into an exam. Until next time, folks, stay safe and God bless.